let's use the metaphor of diabetes adhd can easily be considered as the diabetes of psychiatry or mental health you know uh, if you have diabetes you have to make lifestyle arrangements uh, to navigate it you're listening to cwc talks a podcast from the university of florida counseling and wellness center In each episode, we discuss mental health topics related to the experience of being a student and share the struggles and joys of taking care of your mental health while in college. Please note, CWC Talks is not a substitute for counseling and may be sensitive for people who have experienced trauma. All guests' views are their own and do not speak for the CWC, the University of Florida, or the mental health profession as a whole. This is Chelsea. And this is Olivia. And this is the CWC Talks podcast. Today is part two of our ADHD talk with Saloni Taneja and Joanna Roberts. And we should also mention that October is ADHD Awareness Month, which is when these episodes are coming out. So in this episode, in this part two, we're talking more about treatment recommendations and what you can do to learn how to manage your ADHD symptoms. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, again, this podcast will be really informative to a lot of people that are kind of struggling on, you know, if they think they have ADHD and what, what they might want to do next. Um, of course, we would definitely always recommend talking with um, a, a therapist, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, if you're um, wanting to kind of move forward on this, and you'll get some strategies on who you might want to talk to and what types of recommendations might be helpful. Um, but of course, these are generalized recommendations um, of kind of some things you can do next. So, Chelsea, you, I, if I heard correctly, you said women identified people. And um, like Joanna said, interest, well, not interestingly, uh, or actually not even surprisingly, because the science of ADHD in girls and women is barely, give or take, 20 years old, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is why research focusing on gender diversity, sexual diversity is still uh, not enough. I mean, uh, far and few between if you look at sort of uh, uh, research articles or sort of uh, research studies. Uh, so we, when we're talking about the gender differences, we're talking about people who are born male, people who are, who are born uh, female, um, because biologically ADHD tends to uh, evolve and express differently uh, in girls and boys. So, for example, um, again, experts say that you will see ADHD symptoms in young boys uh, when they're much younger. Uh, so this is when your stereotypical images of running around, talking a lot, disobeying, not doing enough, this, playing a lot, this, that. Yeah, those are the sort of overrepresented stereotypes of ADHD. Uh, so historically, it was thought to be occurring only in young boys, not even adult uh, males. Um, so then, again, research and science found that girls tend to have a later age of when ADHD sort of uh, blows up 
for them, you know. So it's around puberty. So they sort of saw that when the estrogen, which is one of the primary hormones during puberty, when estrogen increases, it also sort of increases the number of dopamine receptors in the brain. So nerve cells that will have presence of dopamine, but there's lack of dopamine. So there's a number of dopamine receptors, but not enough dopamine. So it's that it's then when you sort of start seeing the struggles being more prominent for girls. Um, so just and it as, can even, for those yeah. who menstruate during your during your cycle at different points, uh-huh. this might change. Yeah, your struggles may flare up around PMS uh, every month because again you're dealing with hormones, uh, reproductive hormones. So just as when boys' symptoms of hyperactivity, like loud hyperactivity, is beginning to diminish around puberty. Again, you don't see uh, adolescent males running like energized. So just as their symptoms are beginning to diminish, it's when girls are beginning to struggle in sort of more nuanced ways. But again, they don't run around like hyperactive uh, kids that we imagine, but they might talk a lot. So their hyperactivity may come across as talking ex- excessively. Um, what else? Or maladaptive daydreaming. Space. Jenna, did you use the word spacey for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a common word that people use, spacey. And I remember being spacey so many uncountable times in my life and I'm like and now when I think I'm like oh that's what was happening to me right uh I can pinpoint the day and the year of my life of when I was spaced and I'm like oh that explains it now but forgetfulness uh not being able to organize uh you know your or not being able to sort of keep up with your so uh, some sort of what are some common uh, phrases here in America? Chatty cathies. Chatty cathies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so it's likely uh, it likely originated uh, because of someone who had ADHD and didn't know or didn't know enough about. I'm I don't I'm kidding, but but chatty cathies, girls with messy purses, girls with too much clutter in their house, you know. But if you think about gender stereotypes, girls are supposed to behave like ladies. We're supposed you know? to be organized. We're supposed yeah. to be really good at managing details, and and I think that's why a lot of um, a lot of cisgender women who who have ADHD mask mask yeah very early and learn to mask mm. quickly yeah because there is this pressure that I'm supposed to be organized I have to be I'm not but I have to be yeah and I come hell or high water I will find a way to be yeah and I'll bring the emotional regulation piece here because the hyperactivity the impulsivity might look more internalized then externalized, so emotional uh, challenges, you know, def- reacting more intensely, uh, not being able to regulate. Now imagine a lady not being able to keep her emotions proper. That's very rude uh, and very unladylike, you know. Uh, so, so imagine somebody who's taught to be perfect, organized, like a lady, but is also struggling so much behind the scenes and it's invisible, 
Now, putting those two together, now imagine the impact on self-esteem, on self-worth, on am I good enough? Am I competent? Am I able? So, And with that, would they be able to feel confident to make tougher decisions for their life and to take risks with maybe a harder career or that may translate into not pushing themselves for a promotion Mm -hmm. or yeah, I want to be a doctor, but I can't do that. I'm too disorganized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is where ADHD comes with siblings and half siblings where uh, imagine somebody struggling. So, and this is true for uh, boys and men also. Somebody's struggling so much, but neither having words for it, uh, nor having enough help around it. Um, so, of course, anxiety, uh, poor self esteem, uh, depression will follow. And oftentimes for girls, they become the primary condition. So, it's very mm. common for girls to be diagnosed much later in their lives. When you're like, neither anxiety nor depression, nor anything else explains this. Okay, so let's look at what it is. So it's women get diagnosed in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s. I got diagnosed in my early 30s, you know, uh, after realizing for my entire life, something wasn't right with me, but I just didn't know. I thought I was anxious. Um, so so that's, that's a sad reality for women. Hiddenness gets enabled a lot, um, yeah. which, is, which is why women are co- often called the silent sufferers. Um, I'm glad that you brought up um, diagnosis, Saloni, because, you know, Joanna, you mentioned that you were diagnosed in childhood and um, Saloni, you were diagnosed in your early 30s. And um, a good majority of the people who are listening to this podcast are adult women and men in college. Um, so how, how do they go about getting diagnosed? Uh, it is such a process now. Um, which there's, there's some context around why it's such a process because in the, I remember in the 90s, everybody was getting diagnosed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there, yeah. there was this over diagnosis yeah a lot of boys were getting diagnosed very true ladies, <laughs> not a lot of girls very <laughs> true um and so now honestly i think where if you're really not sure of where your first step is cons- consult whether that's with us here at the cwc to at least be able to start having the conversation about resources or it might be if you feel more comfortable or to talk with, you know, your primary care doctor, for example, to consult like, hey, I, you know, you've seen me for a number of years and you've kind of seen me deal with some of these things. I'm worrying about this. What do you think? Um, and granted, I'm, I'm going to toot my own horn. I know I talk with students a lot about when they come to me about, you know, I'm not sure if this is ADHD. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk a bit about, let's put all the puzzle pieces on the floor together and let's start to piece something yeah. to help you get connected. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw the ball over to Sloane now. She's got the, the talking conk. Uh, so, so, Olivia, can we expand this question to what all help 
is available or are we just talking about diagnosis right now? Um, either we can, we can talk about, you know, what help is available. Sure. Uh, so there are kinds of help that you need for, uh, something like ADHD. Now I should have said this early on, but let's use the metaphor of diabetes. ADHD can easily be considered as the diabetes of psychiatry or mental health. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if you have diabetes, you have to make lifestyle arrangements uh, to navigate it. So similarly, when you have ADHD, uh, which is the diabetes of mental health, uh, and I'm not saying this, some people have said this, so uh, I, can, I can. It's a very common talk. one. Yeah. It, makes, uh, it makes sense. Exactly. It makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's, it's like we both have intelligent brains. It, they're just wired differently. So we do things differently than each other, just like somebody with diabetes take stevia and somebody who doesn't have diabetes doesn't have to worry about the spoonful of sugar, you know, as much as. So, um, so which is why there are kinds of things, uh, kinds of uh, sort of uh, sources of help that ideally one should, uh, one should get. Uh, uh, So starting with diagnosis, who can diagnose any licensed mental health professional, um, psychologist, psychiatrist, licensed mental health counselor, licensed, licensed, counselor, licensed, licensed marriage social work, therapy. social workers. Uh, uh, Joanna, correct? You tell me. P- can pediatricians and uh, so neurologists, neurologists, pediatricians can. Uh, mm-hmm. Primary care doctors can. They that depends on the piece on the primary care physician. Yeah. Sometimes if they don't have the specialty in or they don't feel like they've had enough information, then they might refer to a specialist. Thank you for using the word specialty. This comes from my personal belief and both as a professional who works with ADHD and as somebody who lives with it, it it will always be helpful to find somebody who specializes in ADHD or who has received or sought enough education and knowledge about ADHD because overdiagnosis and underdiagnosis and misdiagnosis are just so common. And especially like we spoke about the science with women is 20 years old. So even professionals in the community who were trained before the last two or so decades there's not enough awareness even in the community at this point. Of course, we've come a long way as a community, but but somebody who specializes in ADHD might might um, might be able to help uh, uh, more more effectively. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so that's the diagnosis. Uh, we'll. Sorry, can, go I, ahead, go ahead. can I ask? So I know some people are looking maybe for a diagnosis. Sometimes you might want to get tested, like do a comprehensive testing versus diagnosis. And like, why would you need one versus the other? Or why would, you know, what are the kind of different options there? Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I'm going to say I'm 
talking about all this very crudely. So uh, whoever is listening, please don't quote me exactly. I'm just sort of giving you big umbrellas. Uh, so there is one school of thought in the community which says it should be assessed comprehensively, which means that look for all possible sources of uh, lack of focus and struggle with hyperactivity to ensure that it is in fact coming from ADHD, which also makes sense because not being able to pay attention can come from a variety of struggles. When we're anxious, we're not able to concentrate. When we're depressed, we're not able to concentrate. When we've had a fight with a friend, we're not able to concentrate. So one school of thought is to go sort of a broad spectrum, uh, comprehensive uh, set of assessments um, to be able to sort of, uh, and that also sort of helps you look at the nuances of your struggles, you know. Uh, the other school of thought says you perhaps don't need this comprehensive of an assessment, but you still should be met thoroughly with a licensed mental health clinician, um, licensed mental health professional to, uh, to rule out all other aspects that could be all, all other uh, potential sort of contributors. So whether you do an in-depth conversation with someone, whether you do a sort of comprehensive set of uh, psychological tests with someone, the idea is that somebody who's licensed as a professional is able to. Uh, yeah. There is one myth I do want to address as we're talking about diagnosis and testing ahead. options. There's been a myth recently that MRIs can de detect and diagnose ADHD. And resoundingly, no. <laughs> an MRI, we, it's not as simple as an MRI test. And granted, I say that knowing MRI tests are not simple. Um, but it is not something like, oh, I go to the doctor for, you know, an hour for a quick MRI or a quick exam or a quick conversation and have my diagnosis. These tests we're talking about, this is something that does take a good amount of time commitment to have. Which, Joanna, you're, you're actually saying something important. Uh, so I was recently uh, watching a video by, so there's a Dr. Russell Barkley. He's like, he's one of the prominent figures when it comes to ADHD uh, in the USA. And he spoke about the, the MRI and the brain pieces. And again, Experts say that there's some difference in the size of the brain of people with and without ADHD. But they have also established very firmly those differences are not enough to confidently really diagnose ADHD, you know. Yeah. And most people with ADHD, or actually, according to experts, all people with ADHD have executive functioning difficulties. But the vice versa is not true. All people with executive functionings don't necessarily have mm. only ADHD. They could have many other things, uh, you know, mm -hmm. depending on what they're struggling with, which is also why um, relying on MRI uh, is not It's not comprehensive enough. It's, mm -hmm. it's not considered uh, no. science enough. Yeah. Maybe when you know, neural imaging gets a little bit more advanced. Yeah. You know, when we have flying cars, maybe then. 
<laughs> another another thing that another myth that perhaps is a uh, contextual uh, tiktok now yeah. now i will say that social media and especially tiktok i'm saying tiktok because i've sort of just heard a lot of students say tiktok i saw on tiktok and thought this relates to me or some version of it now so as so i'm thankful to social media in the sense that it has sort of brought about some more nuanced awareness of adhd you know that it's not just struggling with an assignment it's also struggling with folding laundry you know mm-hmm. um but not all things that look like a certain disorder or a diagnosis may mean that it's that uh, mm-hmm. you know like i said not being able to pay attention could be a source of could could be a result of 500 things so mm-hmm. uh, like i said about my friend just because she was dealing with mood swings doesn't mean she has bipolar disorder right mm-hmm. she just has mood swings And there I know sometimes there's a tendency when you see those things to like want to relate to it like I'm seeing which this. is very relatable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think so many people can experience that for a lot of different reasons. Um so it does bring I more will, awareness but I will always be thankful to Dr. Pickens <laughs> in my um pathology psychology pathology class. psychology is the study of human behavior and so every single diagnosis is part of human behavior so you might see parts of yourself in any diagnosis that doesn't mean you have it so yeah. true yeah yeah when i read the, when i read the chapter on disorders for the first time ever i had everything according to oh yeah <laughs> we diagnosed ourselves the entire class we're just like all right we're up I guess I'll see you on the psych ward, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. Uh, <laughs> anyway. So what kind of treatments are available for ADHD? This is where I get excited. I like treatments. Go ahead, Joanna, you go. <laughs> um I you know like we said I've you know I've lived with ADHD for quite a while. Um personally for me currently at this time I don't take medication to manage my my ADHD anymore. I have found quite honestly that behavior therapy and I will be eternally grateful to the supports I had because I had a consistent space to constantly address and honestly it's probably due to early intervention which helped me out more than anything else I had more time to learn these skills as I was growing yeah whereas Saloni doesn't have the advantage of time So only doesn't have the skills which we see. Can <laughs> <laughs> learning. Um but there's I say that because I think often when we think, "Oh, okay, if I get diagnosed with ADHD, it's just I have to take medication." And stimulant medication is still the frontline uh treatment option. Don't get me wrong here, but it's not the only. It's the same right. thing as the example we give when it's when we're talking about diabetes. It's not just take your insulin. it's you do have to make lifestyle changes and it's the same thing when you when you're talking about ADHD, yes stimulant stimulant medication is the front line there is there non stimulants that are effective for people as well absolutely so that can be an option as well combined with lifestyle changes 
and behavior changes and cognitive changes that are going to have to be made take time. So give mm-hmm. yourself a little bit of grace in doing it. Uh, also a very cool, cool line that I read yesterday when I was prepping for this. And I forget who the person is who said it, but I don't want to plagiarize, but whoever you are that I'm forgetting right now, thanks to my ADHD, I thank you. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll say this in a second, but what Joanna said is true. Medication is, again, one of the key uh, methods of treatment, stimulant and non-stimulant, because essentially what medicines help you do is um, they help uh, with sort of increasing the amount of dopamine. Uh, so they stimulate the dopamine activity in the brain, which then uh sort of takes care of some the, the intensity and the sort of struggle that one has with the symptoms. Now, the, 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 the reality is that, oh, I'm going to use another metaphor. So imagine that you have a Ferrari, which is swanky, with perfect engine, with a leaky tank. So, which is why you have to fill a tank, fill the tank every day. You have to fill gas every day because not because it's run out of gas, but because it's also leaky. So even if you had enough gas, the leak has sort of uh, caused it to be empty. So that's what the stimulants do. You have to take them every day or uh, most people take them every day uh, because they sort of supply those reserves of uh, attention or all the good things that you need um, for a certain amount of time. So which is where this cool person who said the school line comes in and said, but pills don't build skills, you know? Mm -hmm. And skills are what you also need for uh, sort of navigating your life with ADHD because like we we spoke about it's not the difficulty of knowing it's the difficulty of doing uh what you know and doing at a time when you really need to what you know and doing is an action and action comes from skills you know so uh medication plus skill based learning which often um comes from cognitive behavior uh principles of uh therapy uh Behavior yeah, modification, uh, behavior modification, behavior modification, behavior modification. Yeah. yeah. Joanna, I'm actually, if only if you're uh, willing to, can you, to, since you spoke so sort of clearly about things that I didn't have the advantage of, like I'm still making sense of my ADHD mm-hmm. in so many ways, you know, but what skills were you able to learn and sort of solidify as a child that your life is much better than mine right now. You, um, a lot of the skills were focused on create on systems, creating mm-hmm. systems for myself. So when flare-ups happen, because they're going to, I needed a way to be able to deal with them in any environment. For example, right now I'm actually using a system in this interaction. I have music playing in my headphones. Um, no, it is not relaxing, calm, classical music. Honestly, it's dubstep um, right now. But without that there, I would not be able to have this conversation with you guys and be as present 
as I need. That's just a, a short example. Um, social skills has been, training has been a great focus um, for me, but also managing emotion, managing distress, um, and using dialectical behavior therapy skills to do so have been a great part of it. Um, and leaning on even ACT, you know, and using her acceptance and commitment therapy, practicing radical acceptance of my symptoms and what's happening and not letting myself get stuck. And some days I'm good at it. Some days I'm not so good at it. Yeah. And that's okay. I hope that yes, made sense. But, but you, <laughs> I hope that made sense. <laughs> that's that made so much sense that I love like the just like little concrete example of listening to music, like while you're having a conversation, you know, just practical things that can be helpful that I think maybe not a lot of I people have four would... fidgets th- toys on my <laughs> desk. <and it's> <laughs> I have mine as well, actually, that you <laughs> provided for us. Um, you, you see why I made fidget toys for everybody on the team now, right? <laughs> They're very helpful. They, they are. are. Yeah. But I, I like the word systems that you use, Jen, and that's something that I tend to use for my own life and for the students that I work with. I, I'll add to what you said because you sort of started it so beautifully for me. Systems that work for you. Yes. Now, Joanna's system of helping herself with whatever she's helping with herself, helping herself with right now is to listen to some, to have some music in the background. Now that's a system that's working for her. If there were music playing in my ears right now, I wouldn't be able to, uh, to live my life uh, properly. So systems that work for you, you know, um, for example, Joanna's system is fidget toys for restlessness. So, so I always uh, tell students, and I always sort of try to tell myself this also, the more detailed and nuanced understanding you will have about your ADHD, the more you will be, the more you're able to see how in the minute uh, ways it affects you in your everyday life, the more you'll be able to create systems that are uh, effective, you know? So, so there's a lot of sort of uh, stuff on the internet or in the books about tools and tips for working with ADHD, but not all of them maybe apply to you, which is why we use the word systems, you know, Mm -hmm. system of how you arrange your, uh, kitchen system of how you arrange your closet system of how you arrange your working desk, the system of how you, let yourself know you're going to be going to sleep soon. Yeah. Or it's time to eat. Yeah. System of how you will not interrupt in uh, conversations, you know? The example I like to use, and I recognize now more and more less people know what it means, but the phrase, all roads lead to Rome. And what that means to me here and why I use that is, there are many different systems and there's many yeah. different ways that people, tips and tricks that people have found that works for theirs. You just got to find the road that works for you. And, and it's not that that road's wrong or different. It's just 
the one that works. That's what yeah. matters. Yeah. You know, which is why a, lo- a, a very common word for people with ADHD without sort of recognizing they have ADHD is quirky. Oh, you're so quirky. Oh, yeah. I Like quirky is a word that people use for me so much. And it's now I realize that, no, it's only because our systems are different. You know, you fold a T-shirt a certain way, but I, fo- I roll a T-shirt because that's easy for me to grab from my closet without messing five other things, which if they get messed, I may not in time put them back, you know? So, mm-hmm. so systems that work for you, systems that have a capacity to stay for longer for a longer time for you know permanent systems but also ones that you can evolve uh systems that you can evolve based on how function functional or not they are and i always this is something that i started using recently find a system that will set a path of least resistance you know again it's the difficulty with not doing what you know it's the difficulty with getting started so if if your system has 10 steps you might get overwhelmed so can you think of a system that has lesser steps you know instead of putting a reminder on your phone every time you switch on the oven to remind yourself just put a permanent post-it there that's the path of least resistance it's in your site it's it has access all the time it's consistent you don't have to bother about the oven every time you switch it on. Uh, what else? What else, Joanna, in terms of skills? I would say I think um, what's been most helpful is talking about it and being open about it um, with people in my life. So that way, when I'm being perceived as rude, they know why. And a lot of times they can help me keep to my systems. They can call me out on it. They can be my accountability partner in that. You know, ah, I, I made you remember something. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, accountability, uh, you know, oftentimes because tr- it's hard to find motivation internally. And it's a myth. You don't have to be internally motivated as long as you find your motivation from somewhere appropriately uh, to do something. It's all right. So, you know, a lot of uh, people with ADHD work with other people present, which now the concept is called body doubling. So if you Google body doubling ADHD, you'll see a lot of uh, stuff that comes up. Oh, yeah. I don't don't need you to talk to me. I just need you to be in the same room as me while I work. Yeah. Right working together uh and not not for the person who you're working with to punish you or to sort of you know being alive yeah. you're not working but their presence helping you keep up with what you need to keep up with yeah. uh, so find partners that you can work with uh, uh find people who can keep you um be present uh you know one big part of adhd also is time uh was it's been called as time blindness. There is now oh, and yes. there is not now. Um, and one and one big system that has helped me a lot to manage time blindness and focusing on is understanding time as activities. 
this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. I still have difficulty regulating about how long activities take, but I can recognize, okay, I did these things. So this next thing is due. Mm-hmm. And granted, again, that's not going to work for everybody. And that took time to create, but as an example. Yeah. Uh, one other principle that I uh, sort of uh, teach students and use for myself is systems that are strength-based, you know? Uh, so what am I better at between the two? I'm better at learning information that is both visual and auditory at the same time. You know, I, I, I learn better from videos, for example, than just reading text. That's my strength. So why not create a system around it? Uh, the idea is not to focus on removing struggles only. The idea is also to enhancing what you know already works for you. Uh, and that sort of makes you a little more confident and happy about yourself because then you're doing more of what works for you and not just trying to struggle with removing what you struggle with. Well, I think that you gave us so many like tools and just examples of the ways that ADHD can show up in our lives, what it could look like, and like all the different options for, you know, how to manage that, how to create systems, you know, what that looks like. Is there anything else um, before we finish up for today that you'd want um, students to take away with after listening to this podcast? Joanna, you start while I collect my thoughts. Cool. Um, You, this is something that is not easy to define even within the field, even within professionals. This is something that is definitely a specialty. You're not expected to know. You're not expected to know intrinsically that this is what's happening or that you, that you, there's some moral failing that you haven't found this out yet on yourself or your parents or whatever we want to blame it on. You're not alone. You don't have to figure out every single piece of the puzzle together. There are resources that you can reach out to, to consult and to figure out what your next steps are. And for those who are ADHD peoples, there's a lot of different ways for us to operate. We're very, we're different in that way. And that's great. Give yourself some grace as you're trying to figure out exactly what systems work for you. You don't have to figure it out all in two seconds or even this year. It's going to take time and those systems are going to change. So give yourself some grace as you try to figure it out. I typically try to tell to clients who I work with, keep a scientific mind. You're running a consistent experiment. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's very well. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, <laughs> no. That, that was that was very well said. Uh, oftentimes we focus on being consistent and being perfectly disciplined. Persistence over consistency uh, is uh, likely to be more helpful because consistency then comes with rules, and rules are not your friends rules bog you down. So 
even if you can show up for the task uh, with 5% of your motivation, just show up for the task and see where it goes from there. So persistence over consistency. Uh, I will add to what Joanna said by saying that ADHD is serious. It's complex. It affects life in more ways and sort of more intricate uh, ways than we see or we fathom or we imagine. But it's also highly treatable. Mm -hmm. Its high quality of life is highly improvable um, if you're able to access help that that you may need. Uh, And this is not a disorder of laziness or a disorder of uh, choice. This is, you're not choosing to struggle. You're not choosing to be tardy. You're not Quite literally, you were born this way. Right. As, as Lady Gaga would say. Uh, so I so have it's, a... So it's beyond your choice. It's beyond your making. Um, it's not a decision that you take uh, uh, every day. It's a struggle that you live. And... It's improvable. The quality of life is improvable. Life will still have success like you want to. Um, and you can make it your superpower. Sure. So that kind of lends to my last question, which is how has ADHD been a superpower for each of you individually? I am great at multitasking. You are? I, I am wonderful. So different. <laughs> right? Because it's so different and complex for each. Um, I, I have, I have learned to lean into it in certain environments and places. Um, and to let myself fix, uh, focus on several different things at once. And is it as great when I, as when I hyperfixate? Probably not, but I can get my work done. And I get what I need to get done. And I can think about different things and different situations or solutions that the people around me who don't have ADHD don't see that as a solution. Why? Because I've thought of 14 different steps to get there to make it a solution. What about you, Saloni? Listen, I'm just so jealous of Joanna right now because I was like, if I were to be diagnosed as a child, I would have been as good oh, as Joanna. You would have been. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have never been able to say I get things done with such confidence like you just did. <laughs> I, don't think, I think I have another 40 years of life to live before I can say that. Uh, what is my... And, you know, like, uh, on a serious note, there is a growing body of uh, research and literature on cool things that ADHD uh, can give you uh, serendipity. But I think uh, I I relate with Joanna when she said uh, I I can think about things more creatively and I can come up with more ways and solutions. I can see patterns more easily uh, among things. So that that I enjoy doing. Uh, I think for me also, it makes me a 
good, uh, better therapist, like for how I function with it, because I can, while I'm listening and I'm present with you in this conversation, and we're talking and we're there. I'm also thinking about three different ways yeah. that yeah. we're going to find different systems that work for you. Yeah. It relatedly, I, it, I think I am a flexible person because I'm able to see that one thing doesn't have to have just one way. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think flexi- my flexibility uh, can come from, like it does come from there. Oh, and we're, we're absolutely hilarious. And we're hilarious. That's <laughs> <true>. <laughs> Guys, don't put this in that. That's, that's, the, more, that's the most important piece though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't put this don't put this in the actual part what that you're hilarious yeah you're you are hilarious yeah but i don't want the world to know that <laughs> adhd adhd plus misdiagnosis plus struggle is equal to hilarity is equal to comedy <laughs> Is equal to black humor. <laughs> exactly. Uh, can I, I uh, Chelsea, can I just share two quick resources that are real? Sure, sure, uh, sure. So for all those who are listening, uh, there are two uh, online resources that are very helpful. One is called Attitude. So A-D-D-I-T-U-D-E. So attitude, but spelled as attitude. Um, they have a podcast. They have a, a website, and it's built for everyone uh, who wants to know about ADHD in whatever capacity. The other uh, similar resources, Chad, C H A D D double D. It's again a website that caters to. Uh, anyone who'd like to know about ADHD. Um, so please look up for these um, resources online um, and they'll give you information uh, of many kinds and of many uh, ways that will help you. And I'm done. Thank you guys. Thanks so much for joining us today. I think that this was such a valuable podcast episode to have. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for letting us talk. Thank you. Um, Can I I just say something, Olivia? In the beginning, you said, uh, welcome to the world of ADHD. And my first thought was, no, Olivia, you welcome to the world of ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I am in the world of ADHD I live with two ADHDers so it's, it's been exciting the past couple of years <laughs> and yeah, thank you guys for letting us do this thanks for listening you can find CWC Talks on Apple Podcasts Spotify or wherever podcasts are found please leave us a rating and review us Email us at cwc-talks at ufl.edu with your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. Show notes, resources, and more can be found at counseling.ufl.edu slash cwctalks.